friends. Welcome to this week's edition of Belief Beat. This is a podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where we sit down and talk about things that matter with people that matter. I'm Muriel. I'm your host for today, and I will introduce our special guests in just a moment. But first, let's talk about stories. Stories, that is something that matters. Jesus knew that well, right? They are how we learn, how we remember, how we make sense of life. The Bible, our sacred scripture, it is a centuries-long project of people passing down stories from generation to generation and generation, and it's sacred because we recognize that those stories still have a lot to teach us. So with that in mind, we set out to collect stories from some of our older members about their lives, about what the world was like way back when, and about what they've learned along the way. So we talked to three people, and we will be sharing some of their stories with you over the next few weeks. So deep thanks and gratitude to John Purnell, who is 78 years old and was joined for part of the interview by his wife, Barb, also 78. Thanks to Vina Townsend, 83 years old, and Marilyn Coplin, 86 years old. So these three have lived in all different places, Alabama, Michigan, DC, Milwaukee, Elm Grove, and they've all had very different experiences in the military, in teaching, in production, but all of them have ended up here at Unity Lutheran Church. And actually all of them had remarkably similar advice for those of us who are not quite as far down the road of life as they are. So we will share that eventually, but first let's start with a quick introduction of all three. Here is John, joined at this point by his wife, Barb. What year were you born, John? 43. 43? And you, Barb? 43. 43. Oh, that's right. You guys are two days apart. Yep. Yeah. I think the world has changed a little bit since 43. Yeah. It's changed a lot in the last few years. And here is Vina. Yeah, it's it's been a life. It's been a good life. And last but not least, here's Marilyn. Well, Marilyn Bobbles Coplin. I'm 86, gonna be 87. Golly, I'm getting old. Well, but life has treated me good. You will hear those voices weaving in and out of the next several podcasts. But to start, let's hear a little bit about their neighborhoods and childhoods. So we'll start with John, and he is talking about the town in Michigan, Adrian, where he spent most of his childhood, why he did not like it there, his father's unexpected death, and you will never guess what his family did to support themselves. We lived in um, Milwaukee, as the first that I can remember. And then um, we moved to Adrian after my dad died. Mm-hmm. And then I went in the Army because I didn't, did not like Adrian at all. Yeah. Didn't get along with... Uh, the way it was there. Uh, you were saying, like, if you're not part of the in crowd. Yeah. Um, the parents, like, were lawyers, and mm-hmm. and it, those kids, one of them uh, almost killed a teacher. What? Um, with a car. Wow. He got a car, and he almost killed a teacher. Uh-huh. He got six months in jail 
That's it? He didn't have to go to jail. Wow. The only time he went to jail was on the weekends, even in the summer. Wow. And that's how things run. If you were in, then you got all of the perks. If I would have did that, I'd still be in jail. Right. Wow. And so your dad died when you were young. Yeah, I was nine. Nine? What happened? He got up in the morning and he told my mother, I don't feel good. I think I'm going to go back to bed. And he died. Just, Just like that. Oh, my goodness, John. And do you still remember that? Like nine, you probably have memories. Yeah, we lived. And your mom ran a pet shop? Yeah, and we had about any animal you could think of. We raised chihuahuas and um, for the pet shop, and and some of the other pet shops bought the puppies from us, too. Oh, my goodness. And then we started raising borzois. What are those? It's a dog, a Russian wolfhound, they call him. It's a more common name. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen commercials where the woman's walking with two big dogs, like hairy greyhounds. Yeah, yeah. It's a borzoi. A borzoi. Um, um, we sold them. A lot, a lot of the, if you see them around, if you went back in their papers far enough, a lot of those dogs came from the pair that we had. Because really? they weren't very common in the United States then. And how did your mom get into the business? She was, just, she was trying to do things that um, she could sell at a premium that were, and there was a demand for them. Mm-hmm. And we never had trouble selling those puppies. Wow. And back those days, this was like in 1953, 54, um, those puppies were bringing $400, $500 a piece. No way. That was a lot of money. And who was buying them? People all over the country. Wow. There was a, I think that magazine was called uh, Dog World or something like that. Um, she'd have put an ad in there and those puppies would be gone. And some people were in a waiting line for the next ad. Mm-hmm. That's wild, John. What yeah. a crazy childhood. So, then when we moved to Adrian, after my dad died, my sister talked my mother into moving to Adrian. Um, because they had lived there when I was a little, a little bitty baby. Oh, okay. And so she talked her into going back. Mm-hmm. And um, then we started raising, we kept raising the dogs, Borzois and Chihuahuas, and we raised uh, parakeets. Borzois, Chihuahuas, and parakeets. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And that's how we made a living. Mm-hmm. for a while that way and then uh, some of the neighbors complained that they didn't like the dogs. We had, and they were in the basement, they were never outside. Um, the wow. ba- the Borzois were outside, mm-hmm. but there was only a pair of them. And so, um, so it was just we, not a nice community, huh? They really... No. We kept, we kept the Borzois and got rid of the Chihuahuas. And... Uh, my sister was happy because she had to clean the cages. <laughs> In addition to the pet business, John, who is actually adopted, by the way, and his siblings, they had another gig to help the family get by. I had, I had a paper route. I had to take care of the Borzois. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a place where I helped out on a farm where they had horses. And mm. I had to, they would... 
they were, he was a cowboy into uh, roping and bulldogging. Mm -hmm. So those horses have to be special trained. And uh, so he'd tell me what to do. And She's finished, you guys. Could, oh, thank you. I was, I was his robot. Bye. Wow. John, what a fascinating childhood. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, um, I had two paper routes, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. My brother had, my older brother had one paper route in the morning. My sister uh, didn't have a paper route. She, she was a nurse's aide at the hospital while she was going to high school. Mm -hmm. And my younger Ooh. brother was too, ah. too young. Um, and then on Sunday, we had uh, two corners down, and they had the four corners in the town. Your town probably had the same thing. And we sold papers down there, mm -hmm. um, my sister and I. And that's how we, the family got along. Mm -hmm. And would your money get pit, chipped in with the family, family went, money? It all went in, in my mother, mother's pot. Mm -hmm. And so for these paper routes, were you walking, biking? Um, the one I walked, because it was right around our house, mm -hmm. and I could walk it faster than I could do it on a bike. Mm -hmm. People want to paper in the door, and right. that was a morning route. Mm -hmm. uh, the afternoon route, I used a bike on that. And the Sunday route was downtown. So we just stood on the corner. Right. Wow. And when church let out, you were very busy. Oh, sure. Yeah. The post-church newspaper rush. It was definitely a no-frills childhood, which John talks about here as his wife Barb chimes in. It sounds like life was pretty rough till you went to the Army. He raised five kids. Yeah. He had no food. Um, well, we had food, but he could really have. tell you stories. At Christmas time, we got one present. That was it. Mm -hmm. And more normally on birthdays, we didn't get a present. We didn't have parties. Yeah. You're back. Um, but we had a good time. John did remember one favorite toy, which was pretty epic. What would you play with? Um, I had a telephone truck one time that had a trailer on it, and it had. Um, uh, telephone poles on the trailer. And that was kind of cool. You could take those off and they had a little plastic base that you could stand them up in. It. That's about all that it did. Was it made of plastic, wood? No, the truck was a Tonka truck and it was um, steel. Steel? Yeah. That is a great toy. Do you, yeah. do you remember what, you, did you get it for like a birthday or Christmas or Christmas something? Christmas And now we'll hear from Vina for a little bit. Vina also had a favorite toy as well as an ingenious mother who knew how to save the day when disaster struck. Uh, yeah, I had a favorite doll. <laughs> I, they had funny little you know, arms and legs were like a composition. You know, they weren't soft. The upper part was soft. This was made of something else. Uh -huh. And somehow I rolled over on it in bed and I crushed the arm. <gasps> My mother sewed another arm for it. Oh. Yeah, she did. And she even could get the hand on it. You know, my, I don't know how my dad did it, but he put holes in the hand so yeah. that she could set it, thread it through. Yeah, that was my favorite toy. What was its name? Mandy. Mandy. Yeah, 
Did Mandy have clothes? Oh, yeah. And my mother used to knit sweaters and things for Mandy. We had to keep something on Mandy's arm so she wouldn't know she had two different arms. <laughs> we didn't want her to have a complex. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Vina also remembered learning how to read. Her mother doesn't come across quite so well in this story, but, you know, no one is perfect. And then my mother really screwed me up because we used to, she did, that's what mothers are supposed to do, mess up their kid's life. But my mom and I used to have story time and she had, we had a little table and two chairs and we'd sit on it and we'd have tea parties and she would read to me, but I was across from her. I, she was here, I was there. I learned to read upside down. <laughs> This is why I'm such a mess. <laughs> you could read upside down. That's because I was used to following along. Because yeah. my mom would point out the words. But they were all back ass words. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. And Vina had some hilarious misadventures with their dog, Trudy. We had a dog, a cocker spaniel. Her name was Trudy. She was, she was in the family before I was. And one day... My mother had been reading to us about Helen Keller, and I was three years old. What am I supposed to know? And so I decided that Trudy was going to be my guide dog. <laughs> so I, my, I don't know, either myself or my sister blindfolded me, and Trudy was leading me out, and she leaded me into a thorn bush. Oh, no. It broke my heart because Trudy didn't love me. She led you astray. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. And I can remember that. It's crazy. And here she is talking about how her family spent their free time. What did your family do for fun? Every Sunday was game day. Now, I lived in Elm Grove. We didn't have a theater. We didn't, you know, and even then, gasoline was sparse. So, besides, my parents weren't real big on theaters. But cartoons, Fred grew up with cartoons, and I, I never knew what they were. You know, but we had game days. Every Sunday we would, well, what game are we playing today? Gin rummy or, you know. So cards. Cards, mm -hmm. or we played Monopoly, Sorry. I mean, you name it, we played it. Parcheesi. And it was a wonderful time, you know. Vina and her family moved all over the place, but eventually settled in Elm Grove. And she had some fascinating stories about what Elm Grove was like back then. What was Elm Grove like at that point? Well, let me tell you something. My dad bought our house on sight unseen. Wow. Yeah. My mom looked at him and she said, Tex, I have something to tell you. The next move that you accept better be a good one because I want to, it's my last. I want curtains on the windows. I want Carol, that was my sister, to be in school for longer than one year, the same school. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting, but, so my dad was out of town. My aunt, who was a doctor, came to stay with us for the summer. And so my mom, my aunt, my sister, and I went to look for this house. All we had was a street name, that was it. So where would you look? You, I mean, Elm Grove, you could have shot a cannon off in it, but there's always somebody in the post office, right? The post office was empty. Nobody worked. I mean, 
they just there was a part-time postmaster. God. There was nobody there. It was just it, you know. So there was just nothing here. Nothing. It was incredible. So much less a theater. We would like to post office. <laughs> <laughs> part-time postmaster. Yeah. We had a grocery store that was, it actually had a grocery carts in it. But then we had another grocery store that had the long reacher thing with the clamps on it <laughs> that you would give your list and then they'd go get what you were ordering. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the grocery store? Smith's. Yeah. The other one was Rinders, which Rinders has been there. That's a name in Elm Grove forever. Lina also talked about some pretty creative ways they found to entertain themselves in small town Elm Grove. Here's a couple. We had a bus for a short time, less than 10 years. The bus was from, you know, where the half, what used to be the halfway house in Elm Grove, where Watertown Plank hits Blue Mound Road. Mm -hmm. There's that, whatever it is now. That used to be the halfway house. It was halfway between Milwaukee and Watertown. And, but anyway, the bus started there and then it would go into Wauwatosa on Blue Mound Road, circle around at the train station in Elm Grove, and then come out and go back to the halfway house. It made a few stops. And when my mom, when we were pesty, when we were in the summer, my mom used to say, oh, here's a quarter, go ride the bus. <laughs> Just to keep it, just to keep you going. <laughs> yeah, it Here's was a quarter go right. It was bus. it was a hoot, you know. Oh my goodness! I mean, who else spends their childhood riding a bus? The bus. It was a feed mill. It was huge, and it was right next to the railroad tracks. It's where the uh, harvest uh, bread's place is, and they've got some. But it was a, a feed mill with all piles of stuff. It started on fire. And that thing burned and smoldered probably for eight or nine years. So when we'd get bored, my mom would say, why, you know, you have a choice. You can clean your dresser drawers or the toy cabinet, or you can go watch the fire. So we'd walk into the village and we'd stand there and watch the smoke. Go watch the fire. Go watch the fire. And by the time we got there and walked back, you know, it was just, it was a day. It was a day. It was fun. You are we so didn't funny. know what we didn't have. And for our last section, we'll hear from Miss Marilyn. Marilyn also had some great stories about what she used to do for fun. Uh, and my favorite of all was her birthday tradition. One thing that just crossed my mind recently Being close to WTMJ, my mother would always take me to the Grenadiers, which was a radio station, and uh, for my birthday, (laughs) and they would announce my birthday over the air. No way! Are you serious? Yep. So, that was one of my joy pints. Every so often I think of the Grenadiers, nobody would know of the, until they're my age, what the Grenadiers were like on WTMG. Did they have like a sh- their own radio show? Yes. And they broadcasted it every day. And so they would just say like, happy it's, birthday yeah. to Marilyn. What was your maiden name? It was Seaford. So Marilyn Seaford? Yep. 
Yeah, oh it's her birthday gosh. today. And so, uh, oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, so that was probably one of the high points. Marilyn was born in Milwaukee and lived near Second and Chambers. Uh, her family eventually moved to a house on Holton. Both of those houses were right near Fratney Street School, where she went to elementary, and Rufus King, where she eventually went to high school. And here's what Marilyn had to say about that neighborhood. Where were you born, Marilyn? In Milwaukee. Born and raised here in Milwaukee. Hospital? Were you born in a hospital? Born at home? Yes. It, I was born in a hospital. Mm-hmm. In the year of 1934. 1934. That's what neighborhood that, did you guys live in? Uh, around Second and Chambers. Mm-hmm. I can remember that. We lived next to an alley, and I would ride my little tricycle around, and I would venture away from the house, <laughs> and I would go around the block till I hit the other side of the alley, and then I sort of was lost. <laughs> and so the only way I could get back home was to turn around and go back. Then, then I was okay, but I can still remember that from my childhood. <laughs> Do you remember what the houses were like? What, like, were they brick? Uh, I guess you would call it, it was a one family, I suppose you would call it a bungalow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived in the first, there was two houses on one lot. And we were in the first house, closer to the street, then there was a house in back. And, uh, but they were older people there, and I, just being a kid, I just was happy with my little tricycle and, and going around, halfway around the block, not smart enough to cross that alley and come around the other way. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, a tricycle, you're probably pretty little. Yeah, yeah. And um, who, who lived in your house with you? My mother and my dad. Similarly to Vina, Marilyn also talked about her favorite day of the week and what her family used to do together. I, I loved Sundays. It was the shadow nose. And then there was on the Wait, wait, what was the shadow nose? Is this a radio show? Yeah, it was a radio show. You would, you would, you know, you would, every week you would go and it would be a different, I think it was half an hour, a different series of it. And you put, you know, it was something that you look forward to, to doing. And would, this would be a storyline that would stretch out over? Yes. From week to week. Once a week, you would listen to it at a certain time on the radio. And was it kids or the whole family? Uh, Usually everybody. In a mark of the times, listen to what Marilyn and the neighbor kids used to play in their free time. Marilyn, what do you remember about that neighborhood on Holton? Like, how would you describe it? Well, there was a boy next door. And a girl two doors away. We went to Fratney Street School. Mm-hmm. And I would come home and I would play mostly with this boy. And it was always, we played war. <laughs> and because World War Two was in full swing then. And I was always a nurse. 
and his name was Ralph, and Ralph was a doctor. Oh, I so, thought you meant War of the Card Games. Like you would play pretend war. No. We would actually play, you know, in our own way of playing. Yeah. And then... And, would, and you would take care of fallen soldiers? I guess so. But anyways, we were running around. We were always outside, which the kids don't do today, play too much outside. But we were always running around and and then playing. Then, then, then my girlfriend, Nancy, she came into the neighborhood. Her name was Nancy Hermes. And uh, then we started playing games right out in the alley, like kick the can and... Uh, Oh, golly, what there, we were always running and always on the go. So John was just two when the war ended, but Marilyn and Vina both had some fascinating memories of those days. Here's Vina remembering the war through the eyes of a little kiddo. She was probably five or six when this happened. I remember the war. I have a funny story about the war. My, we lived in Washington, D.C. at that time. My dad was had something to do with the government, and I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, we had ration books. And I still had those till I moved. I don't know what the kids did with them. I just thought they were kind of part of history, you know. Absolutely. But anyway, we had these ration books, and you couldn't get boots, you know. You, rubber boots, oh. You know, they used to make boots out of leather. They were called stadium boots. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Stadium boots. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were leather, and they were up to about, leather up to here, and then they had a, a fur around the top, and they were laced. Those were stadium boots, all sheep-lined. But anyway, my mom was shopping one day, and she ran across a whole table full of children's boots. And she thought, oh, this would be wonderful. So she picked a pair of boots out that would be my size, and she put them, it was in the summer, she put them away for winter. Well, in wintertime, oh, finally, you're going to have these new boots. They were both left fleet. Oh, no. <laughs> I tell you, and then my dad used to sing, she's got two left feet, but oh, so sweet. You know? And then I'd practice going like this. Now, if I do it this way, will they look better instead? <laughs> Did you wear them? I had to. Yeah. That's all we had. Yeah. You know. Off you go in your two left feet boots. Yeah. Oh. I don't remember a lot about the war except we had to have, I remember we had to have blackout shades in Washington, and um, that was about it. Actually, Marilyn remembered the blackout shades, too. My dad was in what they call an air raid warden, a block warden. And his job was to walk up and down the streets. People had to have dark curtains on their windows and uh, or blinds that everything, but so there would be no light showing through visible from the street. Wow. And because, you know, and I would sometimes walk along with my dad and uh, and I said, oh, there's some, we're going to hit a kid with a bomb, you know, I said. Yeah. And then and, and he would have to stop in the house, and they said, you've got too much light showing, you're going to have to block your curtains a little bit, black out curtains. Mm-hmm. 
Was it scary? Like, were you were those scary years? Yeah, it was scary because I was afraid they were going to find our house and bomb us. Yeah. yeah. It was very scary. And then also, my dad would tease me. Being the area warden, he, he had a gas mask. And he would put this on, boo, you know? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that would be <laughs> and terrifying. He, and he would scare me so much then. Of course, I was only, what, seven or eight and something like that at that age. Yeah. Do you remember what the... Like, I'm just... Sometimes I wonder if our kids will ask us what kind of the sense, what the mood of the country was like during COVID and remember how it was... It was so During uncertain COVID. at the beginning. But so I'm wondering, like, do you remember what kind of the, the mood of the country was during the war? Was it scary, dark, stressful, um, determined? Uh, well, I guess everybody was scared. Of course. Uh, yeah, I, I probably seven, eight year old, you know, um, how they felt during the war. Mm-hmm. It was scary. It was very scary. But for Marilyn, she said the most fearful time for her wasn't actually the war at all, but was polio, which was a huge shadow over people in those times. And it was fascinating for me to hear about her experiences with polio on its own merits, of course, but also in light of what we're living through right now. So here's what Marilyn remembered about that time and about the day that the vaccines for polio first arrived. But the other thing that I can remember, now this had to be, oh, say 11, 12 years old, something like that. That's when polio was around. That's the closest to the pandemic than what we have today. But I was never so scared of polio in all my life. You were scared, or you I were was not? so afraid of it. You were. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go any place because I would stay home. That was my choice. If my folks were going someplace, no, I won't go. Because you were afraid you would I get was polio. Afraid of polio. Wow. And this, I was very afraid of this pandemic that we had too, and that was very, very scary. The first thing I thought of was polio. Wow. And so. Whereas, was there a lot of talk about polio then? Like, did you know people who got it? Uh, oh, yeah. That made the papers every day. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. There, it was headlines because it was just very, very scary. And do you remember when the vaccine came out? Uh, my oldest daughter was just about a year. Wow. So that had to be in... 55. Mm-hmm. And uh, I waited. By this time, we had lived on 30, or 27th Street. And uh, there was a health center right near there. And I remembered there was people lined up on the sidewalks waiting in line and blocks and blocks long. And I waited for hours with her so she could get this polio vaccine. Wow. And she was just a baby still. She was just around a year old. A year old. And how did you feel after she got it? 
Well, I felt it was relief. Anything to do to get rid of this polio, you yeah. know? Well, friends, the saga continues next week. Tune back in to hear about first dates, learning to drive, the two assets that made Fred Townsend an irresistibly attractive catch for Vina, and how John and Barb's honeymoon went so unbelievably and disastrously awry. All of that and more next week on Belief Beat. We will end today with one final story, a very special national celebration for Marilyn's 11th birthday. Going into the teens. Going into the teens. Oh, yeah. What? So you were a teenager in, in the 40s. 40s. And what do you remember? I said, well, the 40s, a basic part was the war. Mm-hmm. Oh, we still lived on Holton Street yet. And it was my 11th birthday, August 14th. 1945, and I was had my little flag, but it all happened to be VJ Day, Victory Japan, and of course everybody was was in the streets. We were hooping and hollering and uh, and everything. So uh, this was on your birthday. On my birthday. Oh wow! And. And then I and I was walking across. We lived in the upper flat on Holton Street, uh-huh. and I was walking back and forth on top of the porch. And I said, "Hey, it's my birthday too, <laughs> you know." <laughs> the whole country is celebrating your yep. birthday. Yeah, that was quite the day. All right, friends, thank you again for joining us, and such thanks and gratitude to Marilyn, Vina, and John for speaking with us. Your memories are a joy to hear and a guide for our future. God bless you and keep you, everyone. We'll catch you next week.